I'm Ed Satterfield. I'm one of the pastors here at Third, and I'm excited to be bringing the word of the Lord to you this morning. I'm going to be reading from Exodus 20, verse 12. We're dealing with the fifth commandment as we continue in our series on the Ten Commandments um, among American gods. So hear now God's word. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord God, we look to you now asking that you would lead us as we look at your word. Speak to us so that we might hear your voice, be challenged by the things that you want to uh, work in our hearts, and be changed, be transformed. So let our uh, hearing not be alone, but be accompanied by doing. So we ask that you would be at work in our hearts. We look to you, Holy Spirit, and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue in our series among American gods on the Ten Commandments, and we've been learning how God uses these commandments to work transformation in us, to shape us into a people that have a life and an identity that will bring healing to a world of disordered worship. This morning, we're making a bit of a transition. The first four commandments are really about our vertical relationship with God. And now we transition in the last six commandments, starting with the fifth, to understand our horizontal relationship and what we're called to be and to do in relationship to one another. So obviously, the first table of the law, it's taken from the two tablets. The first table has to do with our vertical relationship with God. It's primary, it's central, unless we are having God working in our hearts related to the first table, our relationship with him, to put him first, to have no other gods before him, to deal with our idols, we're not gonna be doing well with the second table of the law, which has to do with our human relationships. And we're gonna see that this fifth commandment really is, in one sense, a capsulating or a summarizing commandment for the rest of the 10. So the next five really are going to be explications of this commandment itself. It looks like it's the narrowest of the commandments, but I think as you'll see as we study today, that impacts all of our human relationships. So this morning we're gonna look at the commandment from these three angles, these three lenses. First, the scope of the commandment, its dimensions, its breadth, and secondly, the complexity of the call of this commandment to honor. And then lastly, we're gonna look at the purpose and power of the gospel, the work of Jesus Christ through the gospel uh, to bring uh, enablement for us to be able to do what this commandment calls us to do, to be able to do honor. So first, the scope of the commandment. This commandment on the very most basic level is very simple. Honor your parents. But as you think about it a little more deeply, we know that our relationship with our parents changes. Initially, we're utterly dependent We are uh, receiving everything from our parents, uh, and that relationship is very different than what happens as we begin to grow as little children. That relationship changes a little bit because we're doing a little bit more deciding and thinking on our own. Uh, We're becoming more independent as we grow. And it gets to a place where we go off on our own, and we are independent of our parents. Uh, And in some respects, that relationship changes a little bit more to being equals. And then later in life, we know that that relationship changes to a place where we, and sometimes, have to be parents to our parents. Uh, Their abilities decrease, um, and we have to sometimes take responsibility for their safety and their security. 
So even to think about honoring our parents means that it's a very complex commandment. It changes over time, and the dimensions of that uh, adjust as time goes on. Honoring when we're young means obedience and reliance. As we become our own person, we relate more as equals. We still listen for advice and wisdom. We still are called to honor our parents, but we have something to also share. As we grow, we have wisdom and advice that we might share with our parents, and we may have a, a sharing of life together. Um, but our relationship with our parents changes over time, and other relationships take greater influence uh, in our lives or centrality in our lives when we get married or when we have uh, close friendship relationships. Those relationships become very fundamental and important in our lives. And so what does this commandment uh, have to say about that? Is it just about parental relationships? Well, the Reformers used the Ten Commandments to teach about all of life. And so uh, when they uh, wrote uh, their confessions and the catechisms, uh, they used the Ten Commandments regularly to be an instruction manual, teaching God's people for that covenant life that uh, is going to be that which helps redeem the world. And so uh, they uniformly applied the Fifth Commandment to something broader than just parental relationships. And so on the front cover of the bulletin, we see this Westminster Confession uh, answer to the question about what does the fifth commandment require. And it says, the fifth commandment requires us to respect and treat others, whether above, below, or equal to us, as their position or relationship, our relationship to them demands. So it's saying whether somebody is a superior to us, an equal to us, or an inferior, uh, we're called to exhibit this commandment to honor in whatever that relationship consists of and looks like. And it'll be different if it's a superior than it will be if they're an equal. It'll be different if someone is working under us than it will be if they are someone we work under. So just as our relationship with our parents begins with them as our superiors and adjusts to them being more our equals and in some respects, in later life, uh, we are more their superior. Uh, this biblical command really has something to say about every relationship because it's really tuning into the fact that we have all sorts of important, significant relationships, and this commandment really calls us to give honor in all of them. The teachers, uh, the, the, the reformers brought this perspective forward because they were students of Scripture. And so we'll look at a couple of passages, or I'll mention a couple, we'll look at one, uh, but let's look at Ephesians 5 and 6 to just see how the writers of the New Testament took this. Uh, this is Paul helping us to understand all of our human relationships in light of this commandment. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's an equal relationship. In the body of Christ, we're to submit to one another. Again, a synonym for uh, what it is to honor one another. Each of us has something to gain from each other in the body of Christ, and we're to show honor. We're to submit to that relationship that they have in our lives because God has put them there. And then notice what takes place in all the other comparisons. Wives to your own husbands. There's no verb there, um, so you women can say, well, there's no requirement to submission, but there is because it's really referring to the whole um, text. Submission really dictates how we're to relate to one another in every relationship of human relationship. And you have to define submission or honoring one another 
in the terms that are given here. Um, so wives to your husbands, and that passage goes on to describe what wives are to do and what husbands are to do. Children, obey your parents. Parents, don't exasperate your children. Each of the two pairs has a responsibility to show honor in a particular way given the relationship that they have. And then uh, if we go on, the next part of the text uh, after fathers and children has to do with slaves and masters. The slave has a particular responsibility to uh, give, show honor towards the master and the master towards the slave. And uh, this text uh, it really is taken to speak to all of our relationships in the work setting where we are, we're under those who are our supervisors and we're to exhibit this kind of behavior and as supervisors, this kind of behavior towards those that we work uh, with. So it's a complex relationship that has uh, many different facets. And um, Jesus uh, gives us another picture of this when he gives us the golden rule in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus tells us we are to uh, do unto others as they are, as uh, we would have them do unto us. It means that the same kind of honor and respect we show for ourselves, of taking care of ourselves, providing for ourselves, attending to ourselves is the same kind of way we should relate to anyone else around us, whether they be over us, under us, uh, equal to us. It's a pattern we're to follow in individual relationships, but also in those that have authority over us. And so the scriptures tell us we are to honor and pray for the king, submit to the governing authorities, or as the author of Hebrews puts it, obey your leaders and be subject to them, for they keep watch over your souls. So even in those corporate relationships where we have a standing towards governing leaders or corporate leaders, uh, there's a, an honor that is to be shown in those relationships as well. Do you see the pattern that the New Testament writers take from this commandment to express um, the way in which we're called to obey it. These words, submit, be subject, or honor, are all synonyms for what is meant in the fifth commandment. It means that we're to recognize, respect, and receive the role for which God has placed each of those individual relationships or corporate relationships in our life. We're to show honor because God has put them in our life in that kind of relationship. It means that we are to receive their influence, their correction, their care, and their guidance as from the Lord himself. But it also means that we have something to give. We are to show honor, which is something, as we'll see as we study this, uh, this commandment further, it means that we have an influence. We have an effect that we are to play on the individual relationships and the corporate relationships in which God has placed us in our lives. But this is a huge call for us because it presents a very large issue. And that's the complexity of the call to honor. The big problem is when we're thinking about honoring, whether it's parents or teachers or governing officials or supervisors at work, is that they all make mistakes. They all fall short of leading rightly, of giving the right advice. They fail to do all that they are called to do. So what do you do with imperfect um, persons. How do you honor them? The story of creation and fall, as we've seen in previous weeks, really helps us to understand the problem that we have of showing honor and all the complexity that's involved with it. God created us in his image to live in a dependent relationship with him. Um, it's a relationship in which we were to be trusting and reliant upon him. 
We're created to honor him, hear his word and his wisdom, and live according to that. But things break down when we cease, like our first parents, to honor God and assert our own independence, our own wisdom, to live contrary to God's word and to God's wisdom. We dishonor God and immediately uh, have the result of the fracturing of our, all our other relationships. It's like a cascade of dishonor. The first effect of the choice to go independent of God, uh, to sin, is that we um, experience shame. We are no longer seeing ourselves as honorable because we know that there's something deeply flawed, broken in us. Then when we relate to one another, as the uh, story of the creation and fall tell us, uh, we see ourselves defending. We shift blame. We hide from one another and from God because we're always seeking to make up for what is missing or what is broken in us. Relationships are broken. We misunderstand ourselves and others, and we live in conflict all our lives. And so this commandment is trying to teach us that if we would honor our parents, honor those with whom we're in relationship, that it will go well with you and you'll prosper. Well, we don't prosper when we go the opposite direction. I wanna look at this uh, little chart that we're gonna put up on the screen, hope you can read it, uh, but it really is a way to try to understand that creation and fall story picture of what is taking place. This is two little icebergs that describe us as human beings. The one on the left is really rep representing uh, being created in God's image. We're created like God, we're created for a perfect relationship with him and he creates deep longings that are meant to be fulfilled in the way in which God created them to be fulfilled. So primary, our relationship with God, and then secondarily, our relationship with one another. And uh, the, on the right uh, side, you see the fact that we are also uh, fallen sinners who have made wrong choices. We have developed wrong strategies for the ways in which we would meet those needs and seek to fulfill those deep longings that God has given us. The one on the left is really a picture of our dignity, being created in God's image, worthy of honor and, and substance. And yet the one on the right is one of dishonor. It's a place of shame. When we develop wrong strategies, we live a life that's broken. And the wonderful thing about this little diagram is that it shows us the complexity that we're dealing with. There are things that we're aware of of ourselves that we are well, willing to admit and tell other people. That's the stuff that's at the top pyramid. That's the iceberg above the surface. And there are places in which we're willing to admit our wrong strategies uh, in relationship to each other. But there's a lot that's below the surface. So both on, uh, in terms of our dignity, our image bearing, there are aspects in which we hide in, um, in our, our relating to one another. We keep them secret. And the same with those wrong strategies. They're things that we don't want people to know about ourselves in terms of how we are working to live out um, our lives with those wrong strategies, the places that are broken to us. But even beyond that, this picture or this little diagram tells us that there's some stuff that's unconscious. There are things that we are not even aware of about ourselves that are at play that cause us to say and do the things that we do. And uh, so it, just looking at this chart tells you there's two-thirds of um, understanding another person that are hidden to us. I only know the, t the stuff that's being verbalized or visualized, and I have to make lots of assumptions and conclusions 
uh, or I often do in uh, the way that I relate to one another. So showing honor must engage both aspects of the person. It's got to touch their dignity, the places in which God has created them worthy of great honor and substance and value. And a part of what God wants to do in our relationships is to help us to help uh, reinvigorate that honor in each other. But the other part of it is that we also are part of correcting the wrong strategies, that you and I have a role to play in each other's lives uh, to help identify those wrong strategies. But it's a tough business. The American God that this commandment confronts is our individualism. We are bent as Americans to live independent of authority. We celebrate our autonomy and our freedom from the obligations in our relationships. This is true both towards the way that we relate to God as well as the way that we relate to others. We're quick to criticize the choices of our leaders, quick to leave relationships when they become difficult, avoid dealing with the issues with others because they're hard to understand. Just look at this, two-thirds of it's incomprehensible to us, and a part of it, I'm not even sure what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, as well as uh, the partner in my relationship. A nuanced way to understand that independence is codependency. Many of us are committed. We stick in the relationships. We don't flee when things get tough or difficult. But what we end up doing is we don't truly address the brokenness that's in that relationship. We allow the lifestyle to continue. We end up enabling it to continue. We end up being less of ourselves. We end up expressing less of our own dignity and our uh, image bearing. Um, than God would want us to be. We've ceased to become the creative, problem-solving people that God has made us to be. And codependency really is independence in another form because essentially independence is seeking to, to live life without God. It's seeking to control the situation or to handle the situation without God. And on some level, when we're codependent, we're thinking that our peacemaking behavior or our ability to stick it out is somehow going to uh, end up fixing this thing and make it work. So as we've described it, this problem of showing honor has incredible complexity. To be able to um, show honor to someone who is a broken sinner, how do we do that when our father or mother makes a mistake or when uh, a leader makes a bad choice and gives bad advice and directs us in a wrong way? How do we honor them? How do we honor our bosses, our friends when they fail us? How do we respond to corporate authorities, the government, church sessions when they express things that um, seem to us to be broken? Well, that's the last thing that we'll talk about today, the power and purpose that the gospel brings. God wants to restore the dignity of each person. He's about recreating us into that image. We've not lost his image, but it needs to be reshaped and reformed. He needs to move us from wrong strategies to those strategies that are right for us, that are God-created ones, so that the fulfillment that our deep longings are aimed at actually gets met by the thing it was intended for. And the first step in God's work to restore our honor and dignity is to straighten out our primary allegiance. By the gospel, God reorders our worship and our submission by affecting that independence in our lifestyle. Jesus tells us um, in the scriptures, if anyone comes after me and does not hate father, mother, wife, children, brother, 
sister, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And on a Sunday when we're looking at the fifth commandment to honor our father and mother, what's that about? <laughs> Jesus is not anti-family. He's pro-priorities. <clears throat> he wants to put back into correct proportion and relationship those things that are primary in our life to sh- straighten out wrong, uh, wrong strategies. And so his first act is to restore our honor and our dignity by drawing us back into a relationship with himself. By dying on the cross, rising from the dead, ascending to the place of power and dominion at God's right hand, Jesus has honored you and me. He's shown you your dignity. He's shown you your value and your worth because he's given his life to re-engage you as his children, to reestablish that primary relationship that's absolutely central. And unless we become reliant, dependent children again with our heavenly father, we won't see any great positive effects in our human relationships. So first, Jesus wants to restore your honor, your dignity, by drawing you back into that primary relationship with himself. But that second step is what this commandment is all about. And that second step is that he has called you and me to be ambassadors of reconciliation. That's from 2 Corinthians 5. We're called to honor all of the human relationships that we have as agents, your special agents. You got a special role because your job is to bring dignity and honor back into the lives of the people that you're relating to, whether it's your parent, whether it's your brother or your sister, whether it's a good friend, your spouse, somebody at the business with whom you're having some difficulty, or to be doing that somehow in an amazing way with a corporate uh, entity. Jesus is wanting to bring honor back into our lives in that way. We're to help them be reminded of their dignity, to help them sort out those wrong choices and the wrong strategies so that they might more fully bear the image of God that they were created uh, to be exemplifying. That's really complex. We could spend a lot of time thinking about how do you do that work of honoring. I'm gonna give you just a couple of suggestions this morning. We're called to honor others all the time, but this is particularly needed when we're in conflict. You know, it's uh, a little little bit easier to honor somebody who's showing uh, signs of being honorable. It's easier to say, I love you, mom, I love you, dad, when they're doing exactly what you want and everything's working smoothly. But it's when the conflict happens, when they're asking you to do something that you're having a hard time with, that's when honoring becomes difficult. Or when you're in a relationship where there seems to be a conflict that Things just are not working out. What do you do? That's the hard place where we're called to honor. So conflict is the main way that the Lord is going to press us to change and to grow. Conflict's hard, but it can be God's tool if we allow it, if we see God's um, work and we participate in it. Transformation can happen so that our dignity and our honor is restored. In Jesus' grace, the first place to start is always with yourself. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, first remove the log that's in your own eye before you try to remove the speck in your brother's eye. It's pretty tough to see when there's this big thing in the way. Uh, It's humorous in some respects, but it's so serious because often when we come into our relationships and deal with conflict, the first thing we wanna do is correct the other. We're all about that 
right-hand pyramid. I want to show you your wrong strategy and how screwed up you are, and I'm going to tell you what the problem is, and you're going to fix it, right? You're going to just respond to that, and it's going to be great. When instead, we have a lot that we need to look at ourselves. And it's only then by grace and with grace that I approach the other person to help them understand their own dignity and depravity. And this is my other suggestion uh, on this, is not only do you look at the log in your own eye first, but you also start with that left side pyramid before you go to the right side pyramid. Start with helping somebody know that they're honored, that they're valuable, that they have a way of sorting this out themselves, that they are a person created in God's image who can understand themselves in relationship to God and in relationship to you. Uh, you trust and you give the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes you overlook a fault because you're trying to communicate dignity and honor. And carefully, prayerfully, respectfully, then you try to help explore those wrong strategies with the other person. Much more will be gained to helping people see their dignity and their deepest longings than to try to show them where they're wrong because you've already figured it out. To study this further, I'll give you two things that are some tools for you to work on. Uh, first is to contemplate the phrase in 1 Peter 3, chapter uh, 3, verse 2. They may be one without a word as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Showing honor, communicating dignity can win without a word. Something to think about. How in the world does that happen? And then second, a book I'll highly recommend is uh, Love Walked Among Us by Paul Miller. It's all about learning to love like Jesus. It's gonna tell you story after story of how Jesus related to other people. And boy, do we have something to learn from the one who is perfect, who is God uh, become man who loves perfectly. Just to bring this a, a, to uh, a little bit down to earth, <laughs> many of you know that I'm divorced. And the end of my relationship with my ex-wife Catherine was not of my own choosing. And though our divorce was finalized about 12 years ago, I, I'm still called to honor her. And I've been prayerfully seeking to do that throughout those years. And I use this example from my own life to show that uh, the work of showing honor is not simple, that it's not uh, easy, um, and that there is not some limited time in which we are called to do it. As long as we have relationships with people um, that God has brought us into, we're to follow that out and continue to show honor. So um, I continue to pray for her, <clears throat> pray for her growth, and for her good. I seek to show respect and honor every time we have contact with one another. I'm careful how to initiate that given the new uh, status of our relationship. And I often seek to defend her honor uh, when our daughters sometimes uh, get on the edge of uh, disrespecting when we're together. Uh, so any way in which I can show honor and show respect uh, and continue to pursue um, ways in which I affirm her dignity and her worth uh, that's my call to do. But I also conti continue to seek ways in which I can affect growth in our relationship. I'm still seeking to learn what was broken in me or what is broken in me so that I can continue to grow. And I have conversations with her and with the Lord all the time about that. And uh, just some, a couple of months ago, I initiated some time together for us to sit and talk with one another about our relationship, to look at those icebergs 
and to talk further, to try to understand what was underneath that uh, middle layer and that unconscious layer, what was going on so that we both can learn and grow. That's a way of showing honor and uh, dignity to her and to continue to seek her good and her growth. We're all called to work at showing honor even though none of us can control what's going to happen in the other person or in the relationship. God calls us to honor our father and mother, to honor all those in which we have relationship. So God's calling us to a life of honoring one another. And so to uh, sort of take some practical steps, we're gonna do a little bit of a working prayer right now. And what you're gonna need to do for a working prayer is keep your eyes open, get a pen or a pencil and some paper, use your bulletin and uh, we're gonna jot some things down. I'm gonna lead us through a prayer um, and I wanna ask you to think along. There'll be some time for you to, to contemplate the things that I'll lead us through. And your assignment's to take this with you, to take it home and to plan a time throughout the week where you could continue to think through these things. I don't uh, uh, estimate that you're gonna be able to finish the job right here. This is just to get us started. And I'm gonna help us to think about ways in which we can commit them to prayer and pursue seeking God's use of you as an ambassador of reconciliation as you seek to honor those persons. So let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, forgive us for not honoring you first. Heal our independence and help us trust you and rely upon your transforming presence to change us and those that we relate to. We write down now our tendency to independence or codependency, and we list those wrong strategies that we find that we have, the idols that we use that keep us from trusting in you and make us more independent to, let, uh, to try to control our own life and not uh, trust that to you. Lord Jesus, we reflect now on those relationships where we have struggled to show honor, where we have not seen your redemptive healing work. We write down the names of those with whom we most need your grace and transforming presence. We begin to write down ways that you want us to show honor and trust you for your redemptive work. Holy Spirit, it's not just with individuals that we show dishonor. We identify now those in church leadership, in authority at work, in government or other organizations with whom we need your grace to take hold in order for us to show honor to those persons. Help us to begin to write down specific ways we can show honor and trust in you for your redemptive work.
Lord Jesus, we come now to you as little children, needing you, depending upon you, and we pray now that prayer that you taught us, praying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.